Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. I'm going to get straight into this tonight and hopefully can fit all this in. We'll see how we go. And uh, I want to talk about, I just want to share, I'll read this scripture and then give you a title for what I'm going to talk about. It says this, and this is probably a well-known scripture or one you've read before, some of you have read, some of you would know, or be familiar with maybe. And it's John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. And it says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what that's saying is the Word is a person. And if you read that, in your, if you grab your Bible and you're reading that on the screen, you'll notice the, the word Word uh, as a capital W. When you see a capital W for a, a word in the Bible, when it says about the Word, it's talking about a person. It's actually talking about Jesus Christ. And it says, in the beginning... The word Jesus already existed. So Jesus didn't show up in the middle of the book. Okay? So some people, if you talk to some people, they think, oh, well, if they're reading the Bible, they think, oh, well, Jesus came halfway in the story. Um, that, which would probably, to some people that aren't Christians, would make sense. Oh, I'd read about Jesus. He's halfway through in the New Testament. He must have just showed up then. He wasn't there before, but he was. Because it says in the beginning, the word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That's a, good, that's a good line at the end there. And the darkness can never extinguish it. So the devil, demons, whatever, you know, that whatever the enemy brings against God, whatever the enemy brings against Jesus, he can never extinguish the light. He can never destroy it. Light is always going to reign. Light is always going to overcome. And God is in control and God has already won. It just hasn't fully happened yet. The enemy is defeated and he's going to get booted out seriously at the end. And it's already done. It's already written. His destiny is already written and we're going to see it happen. So in the beginning was the Word. He was already there. So I want you to understand who Jesus was. The Bible says that Jesus is the Word. In other words, the Bible that is written, that you read, that it says that He is the Word. So when you're reading it, you're actually reading. It's like it's, like it's alive. It's actually Jesus speaking to you. It's actually Him. He's a part of what you're reading. It's, he's in it. He spoke it. He created it. He was there with God when He spoke and the, and the universe was created. He was there. It was actually him that went out and created because he's the word. And the word was spoken, it says, and everything was formed. We were, we were formed by a word from God. Jesus was with, in, in the beginning, when Adam and Eve were created, Jesus was right there. He was in it all. He's a part of God. He is God. The Trinity were there. It says the Spirit hovered over the waters. The Holy Spirit was there. The Trinity, they were all there from the very beginning. They didn't show up halfway through the book. It wasn't God. And then after a while, a couple of others showed up. No, they were all there together. They were all one. And so the title of this message tonight is this, A Miracle is in Your Mouth. A Miracle is in Your Mouth. 
I want to share a story. When we went to IC conference about three weeks ago or so, there was a, a guy there called Dr. Michael Maiden. If you, uh, his church is uh, Church of the Nations in Arizona, and um, and you know quite a large church in America, and incredible church. What is happening there? And if you want to go look him up, you can listen to podcasts. And he's a great man of God. And he shared he's a um, a great preacher, but he also he's a prophet of God. He just doesn't prophesy, but he's a uh, a prophet, a true prophet, like like I haven't seen for a very long time. And whereas uh, and and Pastor Osamir, I think shared a couple stories when we came back that you know like he'll pull two people out of the crowd and for 10 minutes he'll he'll read about your life and tell you about stuff that he doesn't know but God just shows him and he'll tell you about your past your present and your future if uh, for 10 minutes not just a short word but he'll 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 yeah dissect your whole life kind of thing and uh it was pretty awesome and so on one of these nights he's he's speaking and at the end he's prophesying over people and he's calling out certain people in the crowd that uh, had cancer in the body and that God was about to heal them and and all this kind of stuff was going on then he stopped and he looked and he said there's a there's a person here and uh you're living in a block of units here in Brisbane I was in Brisbane the conference and he said you're living in a block of units and about four doors up there's someone there practicing like sorcery and magic and, and magic out. Like the real deal wasn't sort of muck around. There's some weird stuff going on in your units. And, and he said, you're scared. And he said, and he's basically saying, you're thinking about moving out of there. And he said, and they said, who's that? Who's that? And for, sort of waited a minute. And this young guy who's actually one of the leaders in the church in his early 20s puts his hand up to sort of one side of the building. And, and he said, that's me or whatever. And he said, God wants you to stay there. And he said, God's about to visit that place. And then, and then he was, he was, he's a very sort of mellow guy. He's sort of like he would just talk and, just, and as he'd hear from God, he'd just speak it out like he's having a conversation with someone. But there was a couple of times when he spoke and this authority came out and he raised his voice slightly and he said these words. He said, I send the word right now into that block of units. And as he said that, I could feel this authority in the spirit kind of like explode in the place. And you just knew that as he spoke that, that God was doing something instantly at that moment and something was going on. And then he didn't kind of, he rebuked the enemy and the schemes of the enemy, but he didn't kind of then condemn the person that was doing it. And he said, and he said, he said I, I pray for restoration, healing and salvation for that young, uh, young guy in that unit that's practicing that sorcery and that magic. And he started to speak and, and speak with love and restoration for that person's soul. But in the word he said, he said, I send the word. And then he, he had prophesied to someone else or another, and he said the same thing. He said, I send the word. I want to tell you there's power in the word of God. And the, and the word that you can speak, that we see Jesus speak, that God spoke, and that also he's given us the authority to speak as well, carries power, weight, and authority when we speak it. So I'm going to talk about that tonight. He sent his word in Psalm 107. 20 to 22 there's a scripture that says this it says he sent out his word and healed them snatching them from the door of death let them praise the lord for his great love and for his wonderful things he has done for them let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts this is in the book of psalms prophetically speaking about jesus he said he sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. That's what Jesus did. And he also, it's what the apostles did, it's what the disciples did as they spoke the word of God in the name of Jesus. A few things about this is that Jesus 
wants to heal you. He sent out his word. It's God's desire to heal you. I've heard churches and Christians say, oh, no, well, God doesn't want to heal everyone. That's not true because nowhere in the Bible says that. If you read in the New Testament, Jesus was, he healed everyone he came to. The only people he didn't heal is because they, he wanted to heal them, but he said, the Bible says he couldn't heal them because of their lack of faith. They just said, oh, he, did, he said, the Bible says he did a, in his hometown, he did a few miracles, but he couldn't do as much as he wanted to do because they didn't believe he could do it. Because he was just kind of, he was just kind of Jesus, grew up with Jesus, he was just my mate, he was just my friend, he was my cousin, whatever. And so, but everywhere Jesus went, he healed people. It's God's desire to heal you. It's God's desire to rescue people from death. And the second thing is, his word has power to heal you. He wants to heal you, and his word carries power to heal you. And I want to tell you tonight, there is a word that Jesus has for you, for every situation that you confront in your life. For everything you face, no matter what it is, whatever you're going through, there is a word. You can grab, you can grab a scripture on you know, just about everything you face. And if you grab it and begin to speak it over your life, you speak the word of God over your life into that situation. There's a word that God has for you that sometimes it's a personal word that he'll just speak to you when you're, when you're praying or you're in church or you're at home or you're, you're thinking about what's going on. And suddenly the Holy Spirit will speak a word of encouragement or a word of breakthrough into your soul. And you know it's from him because there's a word for you for every situation that you face god doesn't leave us stranded he doesn't leave us alone sometimes he'll send someone else could be in a meeting it could be a friend it could be a phone call now or text message and someone will say i just felt to say this to you and it's a word from god through that person to you for the exact situation that you're facing because there's a word for every situation jesus has a word for every situation to combat every situation, to fight against every situation, to overcome every situation in your life. You are never left alone stranded. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. The first thing I want to talk about tonight is, that, is the last part of that scripture where it says, snatching them from the door of death. Now, this is very real and very powerful that you know, there is, we all face death, a physical death. We all die someday. And, but this is not just talking just about physical death. It is, but it's also talking about spiritual death, snatching them from the door of death. The Bible also says that the wages of sin is death, okay? And that also can be in physical and eternal death. Now, when we have eternal life, you know, we receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. Eternal death is separation from God in a place called hell. Eternal life is a place with God in heaven. And so there's eternal death, there's eternal life. And it says the wages of sin is death. So I just want you to imagine for a moment that you're in a job and your job is sin. And uh, it says the wages of sin is death. And so just you go to work every day with, your, with other employees and you have a conversation, and you're saying, how'd you go today? Oh, I was a good sinner today. Got heaps of sin done today. We are, uh, yeah, a very productive, sinful day. 
And, uh, yeah, did really well. Boss will be pleased. And, uh, and you go, oh, I had a terrible day. Just couldn't get, had problems with my computer, all that stuff. Didn't get much sin done at all. And, uh, you know, it was just, didn't, just didn't go real good. And so, and then you're working or whatever. Work your way. At the end of the week, you just, you've been a really good sinner, really good worker. And, uh, and you know, and then and you get pay at the end of the week, your regular pay. And the boss comes and says, oh, you've been, you've, you've sinned so well. That, uh, you know, I'm just going to give you a bonus. You know, there's a bonus. And your wages for that week is death. Yes. Here's, your, here's some death for you. And, uh, and here's bonus death because you did such a great job at sinning. Well, that's what, the, that's what, it's, that's what the scripture's talking about. You think about it. The wages of sin is death. And, you know, we live in a world that, there's some really good sinners in our world, you know, that are really good at this. And, uh, and their payment for their sin is death. Our payment for our sin is death. And so what does that mean? So, death, you know, sin does physically, will physically kill you. Okay, sometimes some people are so good at it, they do it quicker than others and death comes quicker than others. And I know there's some people probably sitting in this room, you know, some of the transformations of guys and girls are probably going, yep, no kind of what that's like. And now you can do things to destroy your life real quick. You can, sin can take a hold in many different ways. It can cause damage and hurt and pain and, and through sin people murder people and kill people and all these terrible things. And so death can come quickly to someone or be affected by someone. Sin can age you quickly because of stuff that you get involved with. But sin also... Can take, you can take a very long time and you can live you know, a very long life, but you can still have sin in your life and eventually it will kill you. It will take your toll on your life. And there's nothing we can do in our own strength to stop sin killing us. It's nothing. You can't, stop, you can't stop the wages of sin because we aren't perfect and we, there's no way we can stop ourselves from sinning. You can go good for a while and go, I've been so, I haven't done anything wrong for a week or two. It's been really good. All of a sudden, oh, I did that again. And you know it's wrong. And, and you think, why to do that? And so I know, and there's people that aren't Christians that live, they know right and wrong. They have a conscience and they think, oh, that shouldn't be right. And so they work really hard at trying to do it and, and do it right. And they mess up and they're like, oh. And, they, and in the end, sometimes it gets so hard, they go, oh, who cares anyway? I'll just go ahead and do it. And just whatever happens, whatever happens, happens. The wages of sin is death. And sin also, physical death is a result, but sin also rewards you with an eternal life separate from God, spiritual darkness. It rewards you with eternal death. Sin rewards you with a physical death that it takes its toll on you, but also a spiritual death separated from God. But there's an incredible scripture in John 3.16. It says, But for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish. That word perish is talking about eternal death, the wages of sin. Will not perish, but will have eternal life. It's almost like God stepped in and he sent Jesus. It's like you, you work for sin and your wages, you receive a death. It's almost God stepped in and pushed, and pushed that aside and said, Look, here's my gift to you. It's my only son who will, who will take all those wages of death, 
all that stuff you deserve for your sin, he's, you're not going to take the paycheck anymore. My son's stepping in and going to take it all, on, all for you on that cross. He's going to take all the bonus, all the junk, all the stuff, all the, all the sin that you deserve, all those years of sinning. I'm going to wipe them away and my son is going to take them all upon himself and die on a cross for you. That's good news. That's what the gospel is. And so God steps into the picture. Sin pays you with death, but God gives you Jesus and shows you grace. God pays you. He gives you Jesus as a free gift. You don't even have to work for it. God says, oh, if you be good, you know, that's why this doesn't work. Oh, if you, you be good, oh, if you earn enough, oh, oh, you'll get grace, you'll get, you'll get eternal life. No, you don't even have to work for it. It's a free gift. You don't even have to. Sin, even makes, sin makes you work for it, makes you work for death that we don't want. And God steps in and says, you don't have to work for it. Even though you don't deserve it, you've done nothing to deserve it, I'm giving it to you freely. And he gives us, gives us eternal life through Jesus Christ. And when we repent, it's, one, it's amazing how it's, you can go all those years and your life can be full of sin and, and, and darkness and all that stuff and caught up. And we can pray one prayer. And in one prayer, you step out of that into eternal life with Jesus Christ. Now, there's an outworking of that in your life, but it's, you, his blood instantly covers you. It's, it's like an instant thing. It's like you step out of darkness and into light. In a moment, there's a transformation that takes place. Well, in a moment, God sees you not as, as sinful, like eternal death. Like He says, yeah, your life's full of sin. There's no, there's no one. There's, my son's paid the price, but you haven't asked him to come in, into your life. You haven't asked for forgiveness. All you need to do is ask for forgiveness. All you need to do is ask me to come, and I'll forgive you, and I'll wipe it away like it's never happened as far as the east is from the west, like we heard this morning. And you pray a prayer and say, God, forgive me. Be Lord of my life. I don't want to carry this sin anymore. I don't want to live, do it my own way anymore. I want you to be Lord of my life. And you take a step, and you're out of darkness into light. And it's as quick as that. And it's all because of Jesus. It's all because he sent his word. He said this on the cross. It is finished. In other words, he said, I've done all that needs to be done. It says it is finished and he died on that cross. It's finished, he said. It's finished. And he paid the price, did all that he needed to do so we could know him. So we could not have to carry the wages of sin anymore, but we could have eternal life. The Word saves you from death and it heals you. The second thing I want to talk about is the authority of His Word. And this morning, Doug talked a lot about uh, authority. And, um, and I'd already written some of this stuff down. And it actually flows on really good from what Doug said this morning. And I want to talk about an encounter that Jesus had. Because it's good to see what, how Jesus handled situations, how he handled what was going on. So we're talking about the authority of his word or the authority of the word of God. When I say the word of God, I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the written word of God. And there's an account in Luke 4, chapter 1 to 13. And it says, Luke 4, sorry, verse 1 to 13 says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he's been baptized, 
returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, as led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say... People do not live by bread alone. So the devil attacks him, his identity, and says, if you really are who you say you are, if you really are Jesus, the Son of God, then, then you, know, you know, prove it to me. And almost he's saying, he says, you, you show me. You know, show me that, you know, turn this, this stone to a loaf of bread because he knows you're hungry. So, you know, prove it to me. And the devil's almost like taunting him. And he says... No, the scriptures say, or the word of God says, people do not live by bread alone. So he quotes the word back to the devil, because the word of God carries power and authority. And the devil can't do anything about it. Your word, when you just, if it's something that you make up or something that you think sounds good, does not carry the same weight and authority as the written word of God. That's why knowing the Word of God and, and, and memorizing Scripture and, and in situations being able to quote what the Word of God says carries much more weight and authority than something you would say. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't say things and speak things, but you can speak things that flow in with the Word of God. But when you actually quote it and speak it with an authority, because like, Jesus could have said a whole lot of things, but Jesus just quotes back the Word to the devil and shuts him up in one sentence then he says this then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and he says i will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them the devil said because they are mine to give to anyone i please i will give it to you if you will worship me so what does, he want to, what does he want Jesus to do? He says, now he said, Jesus is the Son of God and he's in communion with his heavenly Father. And the devil's saying, oh, he shows him in a glimpse all the kingdoms of the world. And we'll talk about this in a moment, the, what, that's, what he's talking about. But he says, he says, if you will bow down and worship me, in other words, don't, don't hang out with your father anymore, but let me become your father. And you worship me, I'll give you all this. That's what he's saying to him. Because as Doug shared this morning, the devil, he, was, he used to be you know, at the right hand of God. He was up there in heaven as one of the archangels. And so the devil, let me tell you, is always wanting, he's longing and, and he's always wanting to be back what he missed out on. He's always thinking, if only, if only, if only, oh, that's what I want to be, that's what I want to do. I want to be worshipped. I want to be the most high. I want to be like the Most High. And so if he could make Jesus, the Son of God, bow down and worship him, then he would say, oh, look, I'm just like the Most High. And so he says this to him, and he says, the devil says, I'll give you all this stuff, just bow down and worship me. And Jesus replied, the Scriptures say, the Word of God says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He just says one line to him and the devil changes the subject because he said I, nothing else he can do with that. Because the word says, the word is ultimate authority. 
So when you speak, when you speak, the enemy can come against you and scheme against you and do all this stuff to you. The, the word of God is ultimate authority. When you know a scripture to combat what is going on, you can just speak a word and say, no, the word of God said, Jesus said this. And in the name of Jesus, devil, I just speak this word. And he has to shut up. He has to. The authority is in the name of Jesus. It's not you. It's in Jesus that's in you when you speak it. And when you speak the word, you're actually speaking Jesus because he is the word into that situation. And so then it goes on to say this. Uh, da, 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 where am I? Um, da, 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 da. Okay, then he says this. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, and he's straight again, he's back to you, you know, the other one didn't work, offered him all the kingdoms of the world, all the riches, all the glory, didn't want that. He says, oh, back to his, we'll attack his identity, who he is. If you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you. So he's like, Jesus, just why don't you test it out? See if, it, see if God, your heavenly father, really cares about you. See if he's really going to save you. See if he's really going to send his angels. And so he says, you know, jump off. See, And then Jesus says, for the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you. So the enemy, so the devil, then, this last one, grabs the word of God himself and quotes it back to Jesus. Because the devil knows the word of God probably better than most of us. Do you realize that? He knows, he knows what it says. And so here, you know how people sometimes will grab Scripture and they'll twist it around to what they want? Yeah, well, that's exactly what the devil just did here. And he said, you know, because, um, and he says, the Scriptures say he'll order his angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And then Jesus responded, the Scriptures also say, <laughs> devil, you must not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. In other words, it ends there saying it wasn't the only time that the devil tried to come back to Jesus and try to tempt him. And sometimes we think, how come I'm being tempted? How come this is happening to me? How come that's happening to me? How come you know, this is hard or whatever? Jesus went through it, so why do you expect you won't? What do you think, when the devil sees a threat, who do you think, what do you think he's going to do? Sit back and go, oh, well, you know, well, let someone else take care of it. Now, he, if you're a threat, then he, he'll try and stop you. He'll try and bring temptation. But when you're ready and when you know the word and the authority of the word, you can speak a word and shut him up in a moment. And he'll leave and go, well, that's, not, that's useless. I'll come back another time. Come back another time. Now, think about this. Why could the devil... Offer him all the kingdoms of the earth. He said, I'll offer you all the kingdoms of the earth. Why could the devil offer Jesus all these kingdoms? I'll tell you why. In Adam, when the reason really is that Adam and Eve gave them to him. So in the garden, when when Jesus created Adam and Eve, he, he created them and said this to them in Genesis 1.28. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and all the animals that scurry across the ground. See, they were sin-free at this time. They, they were, you know, in communion with God. They hadn't known sin until Eve grabbed the, 
the that fruit of that tree and took a bite. And Adam then came and took a bite. And the devil had tempted them, kind of like he tempted Jesus. And then as soon as they did that, they fell into sin. And it's like the devil went, thank you. I'll just take dominion over the kingdoms of this earth. He took what he could. He took what was Adam and Eve's and he took it for himself. Because now they'd sinned just like he had. And so he said, oh, I'll take a hold of this. And so the devil had, you know, these dominion. He, you know, in other words, he was like, you know, causing havoc, which he did on the earth. And people, there was sin and there was all this kind of stuff. And, and he over these kingdoms of the earth. And then it goes right through to when Jesus is now on the earth. But when Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross and he died for our sin, he just didn't die for our sin He died and then three days later rose again. But during that three days, he went down into hell and he kicks the devil's butt and steps on his head because he's under his feet. And he takes back in Revelation, it says, that it says in Revelations 1, 17, 18, when I saw him, this is um, John sawing a vision. He said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. This is John who wrote the book of Revelation. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, talking about when he died on the cross, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. He took back off the devil what wasn't his and actually gave the authority back through Jesus to us and himself. That's what happened. You understand that, what I'm talking about? So they lost it there in the garden, but Jesus took it all back again. So when the devil can offer Jesus all this, he was offering to Jesus at that time because Jesus hadn't gone down and kicked him in the butt, stepped on his head, taken back the keys at that moment. But he was going to, Jesus is like going, he's quoting scripture at him going, oh, just you wait, you don't know exactly, you don't know what's coming. You don't want, I just can't wait to come down there and fix you up. And the, then it says, in, um, in Matthew 28, 16 and 18, it says this. Um, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. This is before Jesus is about to go back to heaven. He'd risen from the dead. And he says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Then Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. In other words, the devil has no more authority. Any authority or dominion he did have, he has it no more because Jesus had taken it all. And then it goes on to say in Luke ten seventeen. it's an example. This is before Jesus went to the cross. But it's an example of what Jesus did while he was on the earth. It says when the 72 disciples, he sent 72 disciples out and, and he gave them authority to heal people and drive out demons. They said they returned and they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. That's a key right there. You've got to use the name of Jesus. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions. It's talking about demonic stuff and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are written or registered in heaven. 
And so that's an example of Jesus delegating authority. So don't you think it was just, it's just normal that after he rose from the dead, he actually delegated that same authority to the disciples and the apostles. And when in the New Testament book of Acts, everything they did in the name of Jesus was using the authority and every demon had to bow. Satan could not overcome anything that was going on because they spoke the name of Jesus and they used the word of God because they carried authority. And they began to take cities and towns. And why do they take cities or towns? Because Jesus now had the authority. The devil has no dominion over cities and towns anymore. Like he said, he doesn't own the kingdoms of this world. He's active and doing stuff. But I want to tell you, when we pray and when we intercede for our city, and when we do it in the right way and come against spiritual principalities and powers, they must leave because the authority has been given us through Jesus Christ. So there's authority in his word. There's authority for every situation. From the, from the smallest cold to the largest problem you could face, there's a word for you from Jesus Christ to overcome it. There's authority in his word and there's authority in the name of Jesus for you to overcome. And the last one is this I want to talk about, is being healed by his word. We read that scripture to start. He sent his word and he healed them. We've talked about being rescued from death. We've talked about the authority of the word now being healed by the word. And this verse, if you, um, a bit of background on this scripture or a bit of commentary on this scripture says, he sent his word and healed them. The word intended may be a message sent by, this is the ways it can happen, by a human messenger like the word sent to Hezekiah in his sickness, or it may be a thought suggested to the mind, either directly by God or by an angel, like it was spoken to Job. Or lastly, it may be an actual word of God, like in John 1.1, the Son sent by the Father. So there's, it can be spoken through someone, Someone can come to you, like I said at the start, and give you a word, and a word that to break open a situation, a word of encouragement, a word that God has spoken to them. It could be the Holy Spirit speaking to you direct, and He drops a word in your heart, and you know it's from Him, and He, and he says, I want you to do this, I want you to pray this, I want you to use this scripture. And it could be just you grab the word of God yourself is the other way and you actually read the word and it's like you begin to read scriptures into the situation, begin to speak the word in the situation. All of it has authority. All of it, all of it is a word for that situation. Now there's a few things that will stop you being healed. I want to briefly touch on this tonight. There's a few things that will stop you, stop you being healed, okay? Physically healed and emotionally healed, spiritually healed. And I want to share a story to do with this, but two of them are this. It's undealt with sin and unforgiveness. Now when I say undealt with sin, what I'm talking about is like all of us sin, okay? All of us, we're not perfect, okay? And, um, but when we sin and when we do something wrong, if we're in a relationship with God, we're instant. We go, God, forgive me. I didn't want to do that. I didn't mean to do that. It's a relationship and he forgives you straight away. It's like you, you, you got to uh, give it to you, God, forgive me. I'm sorry for saying that. I'm sorry for doing that. And it's like you, he, you're forgiven and you move on. It's God forgets about it because you move on. And so, but undealt with sin is like this. It's like you've got, you're doing something and God says, you shouldn't be doing that. And the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do that. And you go, oh, but I want to. Oh, but, but it's good. So it's like you hang on to it and you keep doing it. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, you, you need to stop. It's going to do you damage. It's, going to, it's not good for you. And you but you're, no, I like it. I'm going to keep doing it. And you, you resist and you resist and you resist God's call. And it's undealt with sin and you hang on to the sin 
And then it's like you're hanging on to this sin and you go, oh, but God, I've got this need. And um, I don't know, can you heal this person? You do this. And it's, like, and it's like you're banging up against the brick wall. And it's like you're saying, God, and God is merciful, but he also has principles and ways in his word. And, so, and when you're aware of what you should be doing and you're not doing it, the Bible says you sin, says in Peter. It says, if you know you should be doing something and you don't do it, it says in Peter, then you sin. Okay? Just keep that in mind. And so, and so then it's like, it's like you're going, and, and God's going, yes, I'd love to do that, but let's deal with this sin first. How about you repent of your sin and you really get before me? How about you really repent of this and, and ask for forgiveness and let's then deal with the other issue? So that's one thing that can stop you receiving a healing. The other thing is this. And sharing a story about this unforgiveness, and probably the best story I've heard, and I've heard a couple like this, is uh, when Al Fury, who was a um, evangelist, was here quite a few years ago now, and uh, he's over in um, Cuba, I think now. There's a massive revival happening and all that kind of stuff, and um, at the moment, and he um, he shared this story about um, his dad and him, and he had, didn't have a good relationship with his dad. Stuff had gone on. There was unforgiveness there. Um, you know, and there was he'd forgiven his dad but his dad had unforgiveness towards him and all this stuff was going on and 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 he hadn't sort of he hadn't done a lot wrong and his dad had had, who wasn't didn't really know God that well had done a whole lot of things to him that had hurt him but he's given it to God and then one day God speaks to him and he hadn't talked to his dad for quite a while and he says I want you to ring your dad up and I want you to ask him for forgiveness he's like what he said I've forgiven you, but I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't done anything wrong to my dad. And his, and his dad at this time had cancer and um, had been given X amount of uh, months or years to live and uh, was, was getting sicker, was getting worse. And um, he says, but I haven't done anything wrong. And then God says, no. And he sort of put it off for a bit. And then he's like, and God says, no, I want you to ring your dad and ask for forgiveness. So eventually... He rings up his dad and they have a bit of a chat for a minute, conversation, how you going, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and then he sort of stops and goes, Dad, I, I want to ring you and I just want to say that, you know, would you please forgive me? You know, forgive me for, for anything I've, um, you know, done and hurt you or whatever and would you please forgive me? And, and there's sort of silence at the other end of the phone and, and his dad doesn't really say much at all. And, um, and, he's, and he's like sharing this story and he goes, hey, okay, Dad, so... I just wanted to say that and, you know, I'm sorry for anything. And, and they, he said, okay, and all that. And so he puts the phone in. That was the whole conversation. Anyway, then like a week or two later, his, his mum rings him up and say, he says, um, you know, I just wanted some good news. Your, your dad's actually, his health is starting to feel better. And so we went back to the doctor and they're doing some tests and they found that the cancer is actually in remission. And and it's, it's kind of, they can't pick it up anymore. And 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 she and, and and your dad's sort of he's sort of changing. There's something happened, and they have this conversation. And and then he sort of realised. He said, "Oh well, I I rang him the other week and had this conversation, and I asked him to forgive me, and and all this kind of stuff." This conversation. Next minute, his dad rings him, and and his dad's crying on the phone. Not long after that, and he's and he says, "Forgive me." for all those years I did those things to you. And there was a total reconciliation of their lives. And because he rang up and obeyed God and asked his dad, he said, look, forgive me, you know, 
that activated something in the supernatural and actually healed him. It released something in his life. There was something in his life causing that cancer in his life that was bound up and in, on the inside. But when someone actually came to him, it released, when his son came to him, when Al came to him, it actually released that thing in his life and it made him able to then forgive his son. And he was totally healed and totally cancer-free. And, so unf- and, his, and, his, and it wasn't Al's problem. You know, it wasn't like he'd done something, but his dad had unforgiveness towards his son and maybe other people. And that unforgiveness was stopping him receiving healing from God because he hadn't dealt with that issue. So, and I've heard quite a few stories similar to that and much the same where people have held on to unforgiveness and other things that have actually caused them and the, to, to be sick and, and things that have been happening. And there's sicknesses that's not getting healed. And there's like this sickness is suddenly they get healed, they're released when they've actually forgiven something, they've done an outward act or something. And, and there was a link between their emotional and unforgiveness state or the anger that actually was linked to the physical sickness in their body. And when they actually ask for forgiveness... And release that person and release them from their sickness as well. And so there's two things that can in, uh, inhibit healing in your life. And to finish off, I just want to share a few things about being healed by the Word. In, in the Bible, there's, there's about 50 accounts around about that of Jesus healing individual people and groups of people and also performing miracles. Okay, so there's about... there's and. There, there was a lot more healings happening that because those groups sometimes were hundreds and thousands of people. And the Bible also says if, if all the healings and all the miracles were actually written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain them all. That's what the Bible says of how many people actually healed and set free. And so, but there's, there's about 50 written accounts around about that that are recorded of people being healed, individuals being healed, groups of people being healed, and miracles happening. About a third of those are people that were healed or a miracle that happened where Jesus just spoke a word. Where he didn't lay his hand on anybody. There was ones where he laid a hand on people. Other times he just spoke a word and they were instantly healed. Some of them, as we'll read, some of them weren't even there. Some of them were off, you know, half a day's walk away and in another village, in another town somewhere, and Jesus spoke a word and the Bible says that very moment they were totally healed. There's power in the Word. I want to I highlight that as we finish tonight, the power that is in the spoken Word of God. Because what you need to realize is that Jesus has given us the authority to speak His name and speak His Word and do the same things Jesus did. And so when you're speaking a word, there's a, you carry something on the inside of when you know God and you can speak into someone's situation and the words you speak has power when you speak the word of God to see people set free and healed just by not even laying a hand on them, just by speaking a word. That means you can be on the phone to someone. That means you can write a letter to someone. You can do a whole lot of things. But when it is spoken, when it is read, it carries power. So here's a, four examples of situations. One is the centurion servant in Matthew 8, uh, 5 to 13, Luke 7, 1 to 10. And you have to look those scriptures up. I'm just going to read about it. In Capernaum, a centurion came to Jesus asking to have his servant, who was close to death, healed. When Jesus said he would come and cure the servant, the centurion, now listen, this, this is a great conversation. The centurion answered that he was not worthy to have Jesus come under his roof. 
but to only speak the word and his servant will be healed. That's what the centurion soldier says to Jesus. Jesus was amazed at this and told his followers that not even in, is, uh, in Israel had he found such faith. Jesus then told the centurion, go, let it be done for you according to your faith. And the servant was healed in that hour. In the other version, it says that when in that conversation, he says, because I'm a man of authority, understood authority. I'm a man of authority myself and I have people under me. And he says, when I command them to go, they go and I command them to do this, they do this. <coughs> and so what he was saying was that, Jesus, if you just say a word, I know you carry so much authority. And so much power that if you just speak a word, whatever you say, that sickness has to do it. Whatever you say has to be done because he saw the authority that Jesus carried. You carry the same authority in the name of Jesus. Do you realize that? Sometimes we don't realize the authority we carry. And Jesus said, I haven't seen anyone else in all of Israel with faith like that, that understood things like this guy understood. The second one is this, 10 lepers. I love this story. In Luke 17, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus entered a village and was approached by 10 lepers. Keeping their distance, they called out to Jesus for mercy. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. That's all he says. Because they're wandering around the city and they're not that in the city because they got leprosy. And they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And Jesus just said, just go and show yourself to the priest. And that says a lot. If you, we haven't got time to dissect the whole thing. But when you go show yourself to the priest, you only did that if you knew you were healed. If it, if it went, so they had to actually obey what Jesus said. And then it says this, um, keeping their distance, they called out, have mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, not instantly when Jesus spoke the word almost, but as they obeyed what Jesus said to do, it says, as they went, they were all made clean. It's like they said, Jesus, go show yourself to the priests. They're like, he said to do it. Let's obey the word. And as they walk, the leprosy just falls off. White as snow. All healed. All ten of them in one moment. They go and do it. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He uh, prostrated himself, laid down in front of Jesus and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't even a Jew. And Jesus asked, were not all ten of you made clean? Because Jesus knew they were all healed. He'd spoken the word. It had to obey. When, where the other nine, he says, was none of them found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner. Then he said to him, get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And if you look into the whole story, he just didn't receive healing. He received salvation and total healing in his body. Leprosy would actually, that your fingers would fall off and toes would fall off. And, and when you look into that story, he's actually, if any toes are missing, fingers missing, whatever, they're all fully restored and made whole again because he came back and gave praise to God. The fourth, third story is this, is the demoniac. And so they, it says, Jesus out in the boat, he calms a storm, they're all in a storm. The disciples are freaking out. Jesus is like, don't worry about it, be still, flat sea, all good. So Jesus calmed the wind and the sea. He's, he, uh, he and his disciples landed in the um, county of Gerasenes. A man full of demons, there was a lot of them, who lived among the tombs, met them. He bowed before Jesus and shouted, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. These are the demons speaking to Jesus, like, don't hurt us. Because re the demons recognize the authority Jesus had. 
And people sometimes couldn't see, but the demons are like, don't, don't hurt us. Don't hurt us. There's 2,000 demons in this guy, okay? Don't hurt us. And he says, and Jesus asked the demon, what was his name? The demon answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. He begged Jesus not to send him back to the abyss, but into the herd of swine, the herd of pigs, the nearby, the poor pigs. Jesus told the demons to leave the man and give them permission to enter the swine. The unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and they were all drowned. It's a terrible story for the pigs. And so, and so it's the authority. We're talking about 2,000 demons. And we sometimes get scared. What's the enemy doing? What's going on? There's demonic activity. Jesus just speaks one word and says, get out. Just get out. All 2,000 of you. He didn't muck around. didn't go, oh, we better pray about this one and fast for a few days and I'll come back. This is going to be really tough. He just says, get out. And they're like, and they're like begging Jesus, please don't send us back down to the abyss. Don't, don't send us back down to hell. Even the demons don't want to go back to hell. It must be real bad. And so they, and so they're like, send us to the pigs. The pigs are heaps better. Pigs, you know. And so Jesus just speaks. So I want, I'm trying to get you to just think about the authority of the word of God and what it carries, the power that it carries. And the last one is this: the so musicians, you want to come on up as we finish tonight? Is Lazarus? In John 11, 1 uh, to 44, the account of Lazarus, it says, Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, this is a friend, Lazarus, the friend of Jesus. He knew the family. It's Lazarus of Bethany, sent Jesus a message that his friend Lazarus was ill. Jesus stayed two days longer in the place he was. Like he said, he's about to die, Jesus. Got to come now, he's going to die. And Jesus hangs around where he is and says, I'll be there and waits two more days. Um, in the place he was, before setting out for Bethany. When Jesus arrives, it took him a while to get there as well, he found that Lazarus had been already uh, in the tomb dead for four days, okay? So it must have taken him a few days to walk there. And so he'd been, he waited a couple of days, took two days to walk there. So four days he'd been dead, okay? Martha told Jesus that if he had been here, her brother would have not died. But Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Jesus asked, where's Lazarus laid out? Jesus began to weep as they walked to the tomb. The tomb was a cave with a stone laying against it. He asked them to have the stone removed. Martha said, Lord, don't move. It's going to stink. It's going to be terrible. He's been there for four days because he's been there for so long. And Jesus answered, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Now, she thought he's talking about being raised from the dead in the last day and, and he'll go to heaven. But he, Jesus was talking about right now. And when the stone was removed, Jesus looked upward and prayed to the Father. Then he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out with his hands, feet and face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now the thing is about this, I want you to understand how powerful the word of God is and the spoken word and the name of Jesus. Remember, Jesus was saying this. He said, Lazarus, come out. He's in an area where there's other people buried. If he just said, come out, then everyone would have come out. It actually happened when Jesus rose from the dead. It says many people rose from the dead with him and started walking through the streets of Jerusalem and people are in the Bible and that would have been an interesting day. Where are you? Oh, 
I was around about a thousand years ago. It's all good. And uh, just come out of the ground. Just came out of that hole over there. Haven't you heard about Jesus? Just rose me from the dead. And so you can read about that. But that's the authority. He said, Lazarus come out because if it had spoken, just come out. Everyone would have come out. And that would have made the situation very interesting. The Word of God carries great power. But only great power comes with great authority and understanding authority like Doug was talking about this morning. Jesus understood who he was and he has all authority. He has the keys of hell and death. When sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, death entered the world. And when Jesus rose from the get rose from the dead he actually took the um, keys of hell and death so we could have eternal life with him he has all authority why don't you stand tonight um, because I want to ask a question we ask, we ask this every week because it's the most important question we never ask and it's if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you know about Him. Maybe you've once given your life to Him. Maybe you once followed Him and He was Lord of your life, but He's not really. He's at a distance or you're at a distance. Maybe when I was talking about praying, out, stepping out of darkness into light, maybe you're thinking, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm stuck in the dark. I'm not in the light. The Bible says Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light. He's the light that comes and shines in the darkness. He's the light that comes and shines in the darkness of your life and your situation right now. And if you're in this place and you say, I I want tonight, I want to surrender my life for the first time or again or afresh or whatever it may be, if that's you tonight and you say, I need to do that, I want you to raise your hand in this place. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else tonight? If you put up your hand, you can put it back down. Anyone else? Because we're going to pray in a moment. Thank you. Anyone else? You're saying, I want to surrender my life to Him. I want to come to Jesus and give Him my whole life. I want Him to be Lord of my life. Anyone else? Last opportunity before we pray. This is what I want to do. There's quite a few hands that were raised. I'd I'd like you to step out of your seat just right now and just come and stand here for a moment because this is an important decision. Some of you know I've made this decision before, but it's okay. It's okay. I know people that have done it for a long time and come to every altar call, but it's like some people just need to do that, and that's okay because every time you do it, you're reinstating to yourself and to God that, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to surrender my life to you. Is anyone doing this for the very first time? You've never done it before? You? Awesome. That's cool. What's your name? This is your friend you come with? Yeah, well, awesome. You know, Sister God, I come to you right now and I say, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And thank you, Jesus, for taking my place for taking my punishment, for paying my ransom on that cross. And right now, I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash me 
and ask you to be Lord of my life. Help me to live that out. Help me to know you more every day. I love you. Thank you for loving me unconditionally. In your mighty name. Amen. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.